Welcome to the Discuss and Discuss podcast. Today we will be talking about The Whale by Darren Aronofsky. And it was such a super sad film, but I was super looking forward to it because Big Daddy himself. <laughs> other daddy, other daddy, uh, not yeah, a then, <laughs> yeah, not not Zaddy, Zaddy Pedro. But Brendan Fraser, he's been a favorite actor of mine for a, a long, long time. And it's been a damn shame that he was missing from our entertainment for such a long time. And now he's kind of coming back swinging pretty hard with a, with a wonderful performance. <laughs> what did you think of the film? This is the best way for Brendan Fraser to come back. I'm so glad he did a movie this challenging. Like if I were in his shoes and, you know, been gone for so long, uh, besides, I, I guess he was in Titans, but I don't know if that counts as something as heavy as this. Wait, he was in Titans? You mean Doom uh, Patrol? Not, Doom Patrol. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Doom Patrol. <laughs> but <laughs> there's nothing that compares to this on his resume, I don't believe, right? Before this, he hasn't done anything like this dramatic yeah i was gonna say i don't think anything he's been mostly like adventure like comedy comedy yeah the fun stuff so this one's (laughs) (laughs) this one's hefty (laughs) so uh what i think about the movie by the way super good like i i came into it knowing that it would be good i knew it was gonna be sad and um (sighs) okay I have to say, again, I didn't cry, but that's not because I didn't want to. It is still a good movie. And I told you about this. I just have a hard time crying in movies. Um, But it did tug at it, and I felt myself uh, about to tear up. (laughs) So I know it's a good movie if if that's the case. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That that brings me up to my first point, which is like everything, every single frame felt like I was going to (laughs) cry. Like it was just so sad. I was like, geez, the way the way he's talking and like he's so I don't even know what the right word is. Like, is it endearing or is it like there's like a sensitivity to his voice that's like I'm like, oh man, I f I don't I don't want to cry right now, but <laughs> endearing I think is the word to explain it. I'm sure uh he's a sweet man, Charlie is you can tell that he doesn't like where he's at, but he knows he can't do anything about it, nor does he want to. And that's the other thing that makes him such a tragic character, which again, easy to relate to for the most part. Um, but yeah, like his character is just tragic. He has so many awful things happen to him. And I love characters who go through this kind of uh, chain of events, let's just say, of sadness or traumatic experiences but still remains like a a guy you would just want to be around you know he's sweet he is positive for the most part throughout the whole time and he just wants to make people better he just wants to add value to their lives well it's kind of ironic he's he's positive in in voice but through behavior he is very self-destructive. Like he's engorging himself in this and eating and stuff like that. And those shots where he's reaching for the candy and then he's like having a moment of like, I shouldn't do this. But then like he gives into it anyways. And then he like, he just like piles on the candy and I'm just like, no, 
it, like I'm rooting for him to help to help himself. He's a tragic character in that he's he wants authenticity, honesty, but that's something that he struggles to give himself until the end. And so that made the story beautiful and tragic at the same time. It's like he's helping his students write these essays, but he doesn't actually help them until the very end when he he like blows up on he's like I just want you to write something fucking honest. I don't even care what it is. And then like some the message was finally received or received through some students and then it gave him that strength to be like since you guys were finally honest, I'm going to be honest with you. In the beginning of the film, he doesn't reveal himself on the webcam to his students, which says a lot about his character. It's it's almost like have you ever felt like you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> to this day. <laughs> it's hard to, it's, I think, not so much the mirror, but right now, I know we're recording this podcast, um, and it's difficult to look at myself on video. You know, like, that's one thing that I can say, and I'm pushing myself now, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's, the fact that he turns off his uh, Zoom cam, or he... Maybe he's hiding from his own disgustingness as a way of like, oh, if I don't see myself be disgusting, I can fully indulge in this food or whatever, this struggle and not fully admit it to to myself. You know, like if you're going through that thing and you don't want to see it, it's beautiful in the end where he finally gets honesty from his students that he finds the courage to turn on his webcam and show his students and it wasn't just like this face cam either. Like he took the camera and he showcased his entire full body. And it was just like, damn, I was tearing up at that moment. That didn't get you? <laughs> it didn't. I, I wish it did. I knew it should have. There are tons of oh, moments man. in this where I was like, man, I wish I could. And I, I do. It, it, maybe it's a body thing. I don't know what mm. stops it most of the time. But I 100% agree. Like that scene, it showed so much... I don't know if you could call it growth, but a point where I think he truly accepted he knew for him to move on, uh, to move forward, you know, in this phase of his life, let's just say, he just has to be honest. And he asked for it because he knew it doesn't matter. You know, that's why he was like, I know you guys are going to get someone new. I, what I thought was very sad in that moment was when he said, your complaints have been heard. I'm being replaced, essentially. I was like, oh, man, like, is it that bad that they can't see him? And that's why they pushed him away, even though he genuinely just wanted to make their writing better to, for them to find their own voice. It, it's, it's so, again, it, it's just tragic in the fact that how he's treated, not just by other people, but also by himself. Yeah. I, their reactions. Oh God. That I knew, I knew we were get some of those reactions. I knew it was going to get to me. Uh, in the fact that I was like, uh, I was gonna get mad about how they reacted, but also being in their shoes, it's only natural to react to something that you weren't expecting. Yeah, it's it's tough too. Like it, it, it depends. Like it's a big shock, first of all, to see to not see your professor for like the entire semester or whatever. I'm assuming it's a whole semester, maybe just beginning. If he says uh, he's being replaced, but I, either way. Uh, it happened in like a few days though, right? It was like six or seven days. 
I'm not too sure about the timeline, it, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a full f- semester for sure. It's maybe a couple of weeks. That sounds likely. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I think it happened in like four or five days. Cause it, really? it showed the, the days. Yeah. So it was like, Oh you know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. It happened all in a week. That's insane. Yeah. Now yeah. that you mentioned that, Holy crap. They, that means they've been cl- complaining for like four days, five, five days straight. And we then, don't know. Like they could, he could have been his, their teacher for weeks before this, but you know the movie only showcased. Oh, the three days. okay. Yeah. That. Okay. Wow. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a lot in those few days, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, as students, I guess you can complain for not seeing your teacher. I wouldn't really care. Yeah. I, I I'm sure it's a few people, and maybe maybe they were pushing him back about how he criticized their work. And again, it wasn't that it was bad. You know, he was just looking for something more. He kept saying more and more, give me something honest, give me something else because he couldn't be honest with himself probably. Yeah. So, so crazy. Like, huh? Where, man, maybe that's just part of being human. You know, sometimes we voice the things that we want, like the things that we want, our voice out loud by us. However, it's also the one thing that we struggle to give ourselves. <laughs> it's very like, true. <laughs> just thought it was like a cool thing to touch up on. Um, I really liked Sadie Sink, his daughter. Would you say best Ellie Ellie ever? <laughs> <laughs> if we're taking the game version of Ellie out, for sure, best Ellie I've I've seen. So we're referencing far. Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you want my opinion of that, Ellie, you can go to our series for The Last of Us. But um, yeah, hit her. So Sadie Sink herself, we already talked about, um, you know, just you and I, like she's a good actor. She has such a bright future. She's damn One good. of my favorite young actors right now. Like something about it that she just plays a really good angry person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> angry like child teenager well yeah i mean i don't know if she even needed to audition for this one because it's like hey just take the work from stranger things and then be like hey (laughs) (laughs) she can probably do that internal struggle you know domestic problems and struggling with family yeah i can do that (laughs) and she can cuss a lot more in this one yeah (laughs) yeah it's oh man i really appreciated this film because it was many complaints that i've had about the last of us and the way we learn about each character as the story progresses is subtly done and we're not being spoon fed through dialogue like this and this and this in order to learn about these characters like the dynamic alone between charlie and his daughter ellie we know that a lot of time has been passed and she's full of resentment and she hates her dad and she's full of pain so she hates the freaking world and this interaction that she has with her dad, we know, <laughs> we know that, but she's not saying like all these things to let the audience know that she's going through it. I don't even know. Just good acting. <laughs> yeah. And story writing. Know, it, it, it's definitely the story writing and how it's portrayed because, you know, we get it every so often. You know, she says like, you got, you left me, you left me for your boyfriend. And eventually it does can, come out. Yeah. And you know, you're hundred percent right. Because you know, the, the writers and again the whole movie knows that we don't need the full background we just need enough to piece 
everything together. We're smart enough to figure it out. And also doesn't let the story, doesn't let that take over the full story. And uh, it's something that, again, we mentioned before, we wish like the last of us had, you know, treat us, the audience, a little bit smarter so that we can piece together certain things. That's how we get more engrossed in the story and the movie and stuff. And the whale, I, you know, I want to talk about Charlie specifically, you know, we don't fully know his background, but immediately we already know he's a tragic character because, you know, the opening sequence is him, you know, is a pan through his whole apartment and we see it's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> we see that he has a hard time taking care of the whole place and it's understandable. He's morbidly obese and I love that this movie touches on a a very underrepresented group of people who have this challenge through their lives something that I you know we can't ever know we won't ever truly experience and we can try to empathize as much as we can but I'll admit that I don't know if I can fully sympathize with the way that he has to live and a quote here I know both you and I have it is that he mentions uh to Thomas the missionary at one point that he's not interested in being saved right when he dropped that line immediately I knew again Charlie has accepted the way he is it also you know he refuses to go to the hospital even though he has all of these health issues going on uh Charlie I don't know just seeing Charlie as a person and the way he's living the struggles that he's going through I don't even know what to say about it because it, it's so well done it, it, again the lifestyle is just something that we won't ever know you know you <laughs> and I unless we get to a certain old age I don't know. It's just like, it blows my mind because he's meant to be disgusting, unfortunately, but it's who he is that we fall in love with, not how he lives and how he looks. Yeah. It's actually insane that he, 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 I mean, he's self-destructive because he lost someone that he loved. And he, if we take a deeper dive, (laughs) maybe he is self-destructing because he felt like he couldn't save the one person that he loved and his boyfriend He's oh man, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much to talk about. Okay, <laughs> since we're on the boyfriend already, so the boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, they loved each other, and Charlie did was not openly gay until like he met the boy. You know, this boy that changed him, Alan. But previously, he was in a relationship with a woman, and then he had a kid, Ellie. So he pretty much left his ex-wife to be with this boy and fall in love and be fulfilled and happy. But for some reason, through all that love, Alan ended up offing himself, you know? And like, that's a tragic moment because Charlie was made made to feel like he was a failure because now it's, it's like building these, oh man, I don't even know what to call it. It's building blocks or momentum to, to reinforce the idea that he is a failure because he left his ex-wife, and then he left his daughter. So like failing as a father, failing as a husband, you know, it's it's gonna do some damage. And then failing, you hope that being with this boy, that that was enough, that you can be happy and fulfilled and just, you know, go on about your life. But the fact that his boyfriend offed himself makes it feel like he failed as a lover or as a person. Like his identity is being it's being torn to shreds, you know, (laughs) 
and therefore yeah. he he's you mentioned how we kind of fall in love with who he is even though he's disgusting it sucks that he didn't really fall in love with that same person he fell in love with this idea that he's a failure and so he followed through on that destroying himself because he felt like that's what he deserved like that line that he drops at the end where where his ex-wife shows up and they get into this full-blown argument she's about to leave and he says um i what where the heck is my quote at <laughs> oh man i lost it give me a second you got a good one right you got a good one right here though which one i don't know if you can see how i'm highlighting it but one of the quotes that you have that i think ties in this too is that uh he that that got me was when he said who would want me to be part of their life you know he's like look at me and look at what i've done it's essentially the same thing and uh to touch on that like we know alan you know let's not dance around it right alan committed suicide because of the things that were going on in his life with his dad and that's a whole different complicated relationship too that we can touch on in a second but alan committed suicide which is very difficult for anyone to go through especially if you have a significant other and it's devastating and again charlie was already a big person before while he met charlie or met alan and when that happened that's when charlie again i started going downhill mm -hmm. and it's so wonderful to see the relationship between i'm forgetting your name uh is his, his friend thomas <laughs> no his uh the liz with liz. Oh, liz his relationship with liz is so beautiful because we kind of see this build and build a little bit more too because Liz loves Charlie for who he is as a person, goes and takes care of him. And because she has other traumas as well, other issues that she wants to, uh, that she sees in Charlie. So both of them, you can tell are providers, they're, they're lovers. And it, Charlie mentioned at one point that he wanted to try to save Alan, wanted him to be better, but because he couldn't do that, he failed in that aspect. So he failed himself and now he's failing to take care of himself and just doesn't want to. Uh, it's just, again, it's <laughs> so heartbreaking to see for us to finally start feeling like, okay, we only watched again, what an hour, two hours of Charlie's life, but instantly we get into the same shoes as Liz where like we want to take care of, I mean, at least I didn't, you know, let me speak for myself. Like I would want to take care of Charlie. I would want to hang out with him and, push him to try to live a better life but i don't know that's that's what great writing is that's what great acting is <laughs> <laughs> yeah liz hong chow she she did good killed it like they all did everyone in this in this film did a great job and when hong chow did her monologue when she pulled the missionary out onto the porch and like she had this monologue and started talking about and we started discovering that oh alan was also her brother so yeah. she lost she lost someone too and you know we now we know how liz is kind of connected to to charlie a bit more and why she cares deeply about charlie but it, but aside from like being connected to her brother she actually also considered charlie a great friend you know so it's you know when you try to help your friend that's going through something and they don't want to help themselves and you feel you just feel like you're hitting a wall <laughs> but you keep yeah. trying you know, because that's, I don't know, as a friend, like you're trying to be a better friend or want to see them destroy themselves and then they continue doing so. And 
not listening <laughs> builds yeah. that frustration i mean she you can see it in her face she was like super frustrated and like she can't do anything you know just good she's a representation just of good. what we would be with our friends exactly and or family that's probably what the writers and the writer and the director wanted to happen right is us resonating more so with liz than we were prepared to be and hong chao she's so good like she was in the menu <laughs> i really enjoyed her in the menu but she her ability really resonate or really uh, is showcased in, in this movie specifically and the interesting thing to dive into and i just looked at this so there's only eight credited well technically seven but eight credited actors in this whole movie so i'm gonna touch on two things so there's only a technically seven one fun fact is that the person who played young Ellie on the beach scenes that we see is JC Sink. I wonder if that's Sadie Sink's sister. Just saying. That's kind of an interesting little tidbit <laughs> I just saw. Um, but the other thing to mention is that this movie does really a really good job of doing less, doing more with less. Because again, there's only essentially six, yeah, six actors in this whole movie. They also, the setting for the whole movie is around Charlie's apartment. And they really ground the whole movie in his apartment to make us feel what it's like for Charlie to never be able to leave his apartment outside of going out the front door to get pizza from Dan the Pizza Man. <laughs> right? so, <laughs> he, so the whole time I was thinking like, holy crap, like I can't believe we're just staying in this place the whole time. And again, we just feel what Charlie's feeling. They're doing more with less the whole time too. Like the, the slow pans throughout the whole apartment or from person to person is just such a good way to showcase like, again, the, the live, the, you know, the, the lifestyle or the relationship between each other. And I don't know, it elevates everything somehow. I, I well, it's like, that. well, it's like a play because it is a play and um, the, the single cam shots, I liked it because it made it feel like it was a one shot type of thing. And I think that maybe that was what he was going for. Like, hey, this is a play, but this is in a movie form, you know? So the slow pan circling around the room kind of gives us an idea of what it would be like to to just be trapped in this apartment and not be able to move anywhere. And that doorway, you know, like the set is so simplistic because that's how it would be like if you were to watch this as a stage play. I forgot it was a play. So actually, you mentioning that tidbit, that only elevates the whole movie for me. Because <laughs> I think you're exactly right. They shot it like you would technically see a play. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, just focus on the people that you need to focus. So, oh, yeah, that's that makes it so much better. This is how you turn a play into a movie versus, uh, I mean, I guess The Greatest Showman did a good job. I can't think of any other plays to movies besides like West Side Story. Chicago, I think, is another one that tends to be pretty good. Well, you're but... naming musicals, which are different too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Greatest Showman started off as a play or a musical. I think it went straight to I... film. So that was. I already... think it was a Broadway. Oh, really? A Broadway play before. Yeah. Our Broadway knowledge is lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> I, I have never seen Greatest Showman. And I kind of don't want to. <laughs> it's might, good. It's, that it's might good. be controversial. <laughs> but, 
you well, know that means you have to watch it now. <laughs> no, 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 no thanks. But the cool thing about plays is that like they're really well thought out and well written. So yeah, man, maybe it's unfair that we are comparing this film to other films or TV shows because they don't have the same level of thought put into their writing. It's a good movie. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> they were good. <laughs> Well, because look, every time a character enters the scene, we are going to learn something. And when they leave, the character is either going to grow or, you know, be impacted to progress like their arc, you know. So that was the interesting thing. Like the let's talk about the pizza man. Like we didn't even know his name until like later on in the story. And you're like, man, this pizza man keeps coming by. And then eventually he's like, I'm Dan. (laughs) And they're talking through this door. And then he's like, I'm Charlie, (laughs) you know. It's like a slow progression, even for like this small character. But then you're like, well, do we really need to know the pizza man's name? And then when Charlie has learned Dan's name and then he goes outside to get the pizza, Dan is still waiting outside, waiting to see him. And then we get Dan's reaction to to Charlie. And he's like, he's like baffled. And then he like runs away. So then it's reaffirming that Charlie is disgusting before, you know, before we get to the end and he acknowledges that he's disgusting. Um, but same thing with the missionary guy. Later on, we learned that his name is Thomas. But every time he enters the scene, it's like, well, he's just a missionary. He's just here to save people, right? Well, or talk about Jesus or whatever. But then when um, Ellie puts Ambien into Charlie's sandwich and then he passes out. <laughs> that was we get crazy. This- that was a crazy scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, there's a couple of moments there that I want to talk about too, but to stick to Thomas for now, we get this interaction with Thomas and Ellie, and we learn more about this missionary guy that's not really a missionary guy, and he's actually running away from home, he's trying to run away from his problems, he feels like he's uh, outcast, well, he outcasted himself because he felt regret about a mistake that he made and thought that his parents and family wouldn't accept him anymore like he's running away trying to save people through this missionary work but really he's trying to save himself and (laughs) later on he you know he is saved by ellie ellie taking photos of him smoking pot and like admitting all these things that he's done and then like exposes his exposes his (laughs) exposes his exposes him to his own family admitting the truth like he was running away from the truth from his family. But then when his family knew the truth, they still accepted him and forgave him. And he was saved, you know. And later on, that just becomes this momentum to how are we, we, yeah, how are we <laughs> going to save Charlie in the end? You know, it's, uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's let's, good let's dive into uh, the relationships then because you know I'm a sucker for a movie or a show that ties all relationships and uh, things together. And this is one movie that does a great job of it because again, all right. So we know that Charlie and Liz are friends. We also know that Ellie is his daughter and Liz knows about Ellie so-and-so, but when Thomas comes into the picture, we see Liz be very standoffish against him and says that, oh yeah, my dad was, uh, is part of 
the leadership, I guess, essentially in the church. So she knows what new life is about. She knows exactly what he's going to say and stuff like that. Um, and then again, we find out about Alan and that that's who Charlie's... was it dad. I thought it was her brother that was in new life. That's why he knows all of that. They both were. They both were. And it was because of his dad or their dad that that's why Alan was pushed over the edge. Uh, if you remember the the talk that they had. And yeah, Ellie, sorry, Liz goes off and says Alan. And then we find out again, Alan being Charlie's partner was also Liz's brother. And that's why Liz is tied together. And like, those are the moments that I love when everything's interconnected. Because Thomas was a totally like uh, he was a stranger that came into the picture, that so happened to be a part of uh, this religious cult is essentially what they say that ties Liz to him, and then Alan and and you know brings Alan into the picture, and so it's moments like this that I love, and it's so well done because right when Liz mentioned that her brother died, she name drops Alan really quickly. She never says Alan's name until. At one point where she's like, uh, Alan didn't deserve this or whatever. And immediately, no, actually not even immediately. I would say it took me a second to be like, wait, Alan, that's the name on the Bible. <laughs> and then, you know, connected all the pieces. And so it's moments like this where the relationships come into play and they're all woven together. That again, paints a whole picture that this whole thing is complicated. It's messy, but it's a painting or a picture regardless. And again, everyone's relationship is just so crazy. Like, uh, I know, I'm sure we should get into Charlie and Ellie's relationship because that is just, (laughs) man, it's it's like, I don't know. It's pretty much a punch to a pillow, you know, like Charlie's the pillow and and Ellie just continues to berate him and be so hurt by the fact that he, he left her and abandoned her essentially for his own selfish reasons. And uh, Charlie is still just, trying to be a good dad and believes in her and continues to see the light in her even though no one else does yeah it's there's a lot of actions that happen where these characters show that they care liz when she pulls the missionary aside you know that she cares a lot about charlie because in in this like standoffish kind of way yeah she goes into this monologue and she does reveal all that information about alan being her brother and the mission and all that stuff but through all that, we learn that she is very protective of her friend as well, because she's, it's almost like interrogating. <laughs> it's like, are you good enough to be, you know, to be here for my friend, you know, or it's like you're injecting these ideas into my friend's head when he doesn't even want it, you know, like you're wasting time or something like that. Those moments, we know that she cares about Charlie without saying that she cares about Charlie. <laughs> Thomas always coming back into the house even though like he's not a true missionary type of person also shows that he cares about charlie because like why would he come back all the time <laughs> sure you can say oh it's to save him kind of i don't know how many like mormon people stop by your door and it's like i need to save you you know like i think in that first interaction where he stumbles upon charlie he saw something where it's like oh he needs help and he cares and he wants to help that other person, maybe because he sees. Uh, I mean, he does mention God, but maybe he sees a part of himself, too, where he's like, oh, you made a mistake. You can still come back from it. Well, later on in the arc. <laughs> 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 Not from the get-go. But 
And then Ellie too. Like she keeps saying that I hate you. I've like you know you failed as a father. Why why did you abandon me? All this all of these things. But Ellie also comes back, and like that action alone just says that she does care about her dad still. And even when she put the Ambien into the sandwich and he's all passed out and like there's that plate of food that's on his stomach, she goes over and then takes the plate and then places it on the table. That's a like kind, considerate gesture, <laughs> you know. But then Those... right after she did put on she did put the <laughs> the pipe that she was smoking and the lighter on his stomach as well. And so she realized it was Thomas and she was like, Oh, okay, actually it's not uh, Liz or whoever else. She's just trying to help him <laughs> out, man. Just trying to chill him funny. out a little bit. <laughs> that was funny. But another interaction is when the mom stops by and then they do break out into like an argument here and there. But then at the same time, she says this line where she's like, you're wheezing. And then he's like, yeah. And then can I listen? And then she comes in and then she kind of like lays on him. And then they have this moment together. It's like, man, these people care about Charlie, but like Charlie struggles to to see, like he he doesn't want to help himself. <laughs> yeah, and it sucks because all these people want him to to get better, to to remain part of their lives, and that like Charlie is suffering, but also the people that care about him, they're also suffering. I don't know. To interwove, interwove. What is that a word? <laughs> intertwine intertwine all of these relationships are tied to charlie and it's done really well it's so good it's it's having a master craftsman craftsman (laughs) who knows what they're doing and building this story together that we're seeing like this beautiful artwork come to life and when mary comes into the picture the wife i love that scene too since you since you brought it up and it shows that she still cares about charlie and brought up an excuse to lay with him and still accepts him for who he is. Like she wasn't afraid to touch him. She still laid on his chest and laid there sincerely. That to me showed, I don't know. There's just so much love there that again, she's hurt because Charlie left her understandably hurt, but she still loves Charlie genuinely. And again, they share this moment. Even Charlie puts his hand on their shoulder, knowing that she cares about him like they, there's like this mutual understanding that there is still some love there and charlie knows it charlie continues to check up on her and check up on ellie but doesn't know exactly how to be there for her at first and so again all he does is just calls and she he calls to check up on ellie and doesn't check up on mary because he thinks that mary's still mad at him and of course she is for the most part but for like different reasons and it's another beautifully done scene beautifully shot scene where we see this tender moment and then instantly right after it i forget what he says that triggers her but she puts up her walls and then she's like i'm done i'm done with this conversation i can't go back to this if you're not going to save yourself i'm not going to be here for you anymore either oh yeah i think i know it's it's when she's trying to expose ellie as like a bad evil person and then Yeah, she Mary reveals on the laptop that uh, Ellie exposed him what he looked like on what looked like Facebook or whatever like it's social media <laughs> so therefore yeah. <laughs> yeah so therefore you assume that everybody knows what he looks like now and then she was talking about how the same thing happened to her as well and it was very hurtful and like she felt that it was super evil 
despite all that, <laughs> Charlie is like, she's a great writer. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's like, your response? Yeah. yeah. That, and that's what she says, you know? <laughs> it's like, it was almost oblivious to the fact, but it wasn't actually oblivious to the fact. He chose to care more about Ellie than than his own, like, image in this moment maybe that was kind of like growth towards to move towards the end that to the ending that we're gonna get but i thought that moment was cool because then like he truly cares about ellie what sucked is that he failed to stay in contact with her to be there for her and like there's eight years is a long time so that's a lot of work missing as a father it just further aids to that idea that he feels like a failure (laughs) and he thinks that he deserves to that he's disgusting. Maybe that's the image that he has on himself, actually. I'm a disgusting person because I failed as a father, failed as a husband, failed as a lover. So he eats to become the image that he he thinks he deserves. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's going too deep. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think you're touching on something that's really important to see that every character who comes into play actually takes a form of self-harm in some way. Charlie's is a little bit more out there and him gorging himself and eating, especially in moments where he's stressed out or feels the worst about himself. Like when Dan saw him, that was a very hard scene to watch because Charlie's just going to town on pizza. He's broken. And I think at this moment is when he accepts the fact that, okay, I know it's going to happen. I'm just going to continue to push it forward. And he eats the pizza, puts a bunch of ranch on it, you know, and throws up. And oh, it's man. so unfortunate. Like watching him do that again is, is a form of self-harm. We see Ellie do the same thing where she's just it's dagger after dagger after dagger of her words, you know, into people that she cares about and who care about her. Like Mary self-harms through alcoholism. We get chance glimpses of that when Ellie says that she's only happy when she's drinking. Because mm-hmm. she's hurt and she she numbs the pain through alcohol. Thomas, I believe, self harms through uh, this delusion that he has to save Charlie. And we get a moment with Thomas when again him and Charlie are going at it. Charlie is like, "You say it, say it, I'm disgusting, aren't I?" And pushing him against the wall. And of course, Thomas Gosh, does that say, hurts. "Yeah." It was so it, it was so disheartening to see because Thomas does admit, it's "Like, yes, you're disgusting." And then he knew, he was like, all right, I just told, I, I was honest again, and this is how I truly feel. And again, just like, uh, just ends up leaving. But we still, try, still see Charlie be nice to Thomas, which is like, hey, don't forget your Bible and just go home. You'll be yeah, happy. That's, that's the insane part, too, because sometimes I think these scenes can easily move towards a more toxic path, like a more toxic argument between him and thomas between him and his ex-wife like but they don't actually go there it's it's like it reaches this peak and then it comes back down just because of how charlie is it's like sure he is destroying himself but he's also like kind and considerate it's so bizarre (laughs) it's the irony in that he can't see he he doesn't want to help himself but he continuously and effortlessly helps everyone else in his life. Even when Mary came in the picture to like try to destroy him the whole time, like you mentioned, he was still just nice to her. He was still nice and trying to make her a better mother through seeing that Ellie is not evil. She's just 
you know, woefully misunderstood as well as incredibly hurt because Mary does mention the fact that Ellie favored him essentially, and that she was, you know, the the apple to his eye, essentially, <laughs> to her eye. And she really looked up to Charlie. And when Charlie abandoned her, and of of course she's gonna turn and and you know, 180 into this monster, but Charlie continuously says she's a great writer. That's not who she is. She just needs a chance. And ooh, oh boy, you know, like yeah. people. It, it's funny because Charlie ends up saving those people slowly. And Thomas, you know, immediately was saved by Ellie, but Charlie saved Ellie slowly and is breaking down those walls, even though we get that intense scene where Ellie's uh, you know, driving the knife into the counter. <laughs> and then when Mary says she's evil, she's evil. I was like, no. Is Ellie going to kill Charlie for this bunny or whatever? Oh my gosh. That's why I'm so glad the ending was the way it was because um, it's this beautiful moment. And I think this is, there's a whole theme uh, I'll bring up really quickly as well of Moby Dick. That's the essay that Ellie was writing about and continually, continuously it's brought up because it's how Charlie calms himself down. He remembers this essay because it's so good. It's the best essay he's ever read. And it's by Ellie because it's so honest. It's so brutally honest. And, and he truly lets that moment linger for him throughout his whole life. And I just love that because for him, he's also chasing his own white whale, right? So the story of Moby Dick is chasing, uh, chasing a goal that technically has no means, meaning it's meaningless to get to this goal because your obsession led you there. Say is so that's why it's so crazy to think about how Moby Dick is involved in this whole movie because everyone has their own Moby Dick in this. Ellie is, is that she wants to hate her father so badly, so badly she continues to again jab at him with you know mean words, calling him all kinds of names, trying to break him down, saying she hates him, even going as far as to say that she hopes that he dies. But in the end, you know, if you want to get into that really quick, she finally gets to that moment and she doesn't want to kill her Moby Dick. She turns around, she does what, you know, Charlie wants. And then, oh God, I love that. Ending. <laughs> I, I will say that ending was just so crazy because Sadie Sink's acting made you believe that, again, she was actually going to walk away and like not give him what he wanted. And then I, I truly thought we were going to end that movie, uh, the end the movie that way. Um, which I wouldn't have minded either way because it has to be disheartening. However, when she stops in the doorway, turns around and reads the story, we come to find out, it's like, oh my God, Charlie was right the whole time. She's just misunderstood. She's just really hurt and needs to protect it. And oh God, again, that whole thing is just so crazy. And again, we see Charlie's white will come to fruition too. The thing that he's chasing is just acceptance, I believe, probably, or, you know, his moment just to be free from his guilt, be free from all this burden that he puts on himself physically and, and mentally, emotionally. So yeah, it's a really good resolution to the whole movie and how Moby Dick is the whole theme of the movie. I actually haven't read Moby Dick, but I like what you said. <laughs> I haven't <It's>... either. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, I don't well, know about it. I, I kind of just took some more... <laughs> <laughs> way to be all right well yeah it's 
I know a lot about it because of Futurama, that Futurama episode of <laughs> really of Moby Dick. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Charlie's could be a lot of things. Uh, maybe it is acceptance, like you said, that he is a failure, but not a failure because, like, he's using those examples of like failing as a lover or failing as a father. You, you know, you can haunt yourself with those ideas just so that you can say that you are a failure. But he wasn't a complete failure. He was just misunderstood. <laughs> Well, he told himself the story that he's a failure and committed to it and felt like that was what he deserved. Sadly. Ugh, Sadly. Man, there's like a couple of thoughts that I had in my my mind when you were talking and I kind of lost it. <laughs> Sorry, I was kind of going on and on. <laughs> it was um, something along the lines of we give ourselves what we think we deserve and then we give others like pretty much the opposite of that. Like it's even though you should be giving yourself what you're giving others. So like he's treating other people with kindness and all that stuff, but he was very unforgiving and unkind to himself. So Charlie, you know, being self-destructive and all, and yet being positive and kind to all these people that he's encountering, like he could have been kind to himself to no longer be a failure and forgive himself that those moments did happen. Like he can still be there for, for Ellie. And even when Ellie at the end, like, like you said, he, or she stood there at the door and then she turned around and then it was like this moment of, well, one, Charlie finally got up on his feet. He <laughs> we, stood up. Oh, he stood wow. up. A big moment. And then, she's reading this essay that she wrote four years ago or something like that. And it was also her realizing that realizing her own voice, you know, that she is a good writer, <laughs> but was failing. I don't know. She was in a way she was becoming like her father failing on purpose, like self-sabotaging just, you know, some, some themes to dive into. <laughs> the best part of that too, was the fact that, you know, she was trying to get, charlie to write all of her essays for her and he kept refusing and then at one point he you know towards the end he was like okay i'll write your essay for you whatever and i guess he made her submit it and then she failed because that essay was one that probably was like way off topic and had to do again it was her essay when she was eight years old or whatever and and she's like i failed because of you whatever and he's like just just read it it's a good essay and you know when she does finally read it she's like wait a second like, I remember this because she never forgets anything. Uh, that was just so funny to me. And it, I couldn't help but laugh because Charlie made her submit that old essay to prove a point. We do see that when she's most honest, and this is the thing that he keeps striving towards, right? When she's most honest in her writing is when it's the best. And we get the haiku. I wish I had <laughs> it in front of me, but immediately when I oh, read yeah. it, I knew it was a haiku because... How is sentence? You know how is it structured and everything. But when you read it, uh, I, hopefully we could pull it up really quick because I do want to read it. Um, let me see. It's just really good. Yeah, I was on the same train of thought too. Like when she wrote that down, and then Charlie was confused at first. He reads it, and then he has to read it over again because he's like, "Wait a minute, this is a poem," you know. And then he counts it out. Shoot, I really wish I wrote it down. Okay. I won't, I won't waste everyone's time, but 
<laughs> I love the moment when he realizes like, holy crap, she actually wrote something really good, really honest. And it's in the form of a poetry, like he asked, and he's crying because he's so filled with joy that she actually did something, even though the haiku was mean <laughs> and it was dark, uh, ending on the fact that she hates everyone. But again, she did it in her own creative way, and it showed who Charlie really is as a person. He wants the best out of these people, even though he does, doesn't do the same for himself, mm-hmm. and recognizes and and shows a lot of appreciation for the fact that other people are amazing, right? He even says that line that, uh, do you think that people are not, are, are incapable of not caring? Because people are amazing. People are incredible. They continue to wow him, even though he has such bad interactions with people. It's, it's oh man, there's so much back and forth with this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, sometimes people aren't in alignment with their actions and what they say so like even though ellie comes off as aggressive and like vicious or evil she's still doing things that is more in alignment of what she values which is helping people so then it it is that moment of realization for charlie that oh she said all these things but she was actually helping uh that missionary guy by doing that like admitting the truth so do you ever get the feeling that people are incapable of not caring? People are amazing. That quote is like, yeah, so we do care. We do care. <laughs> for for They everything. care. Everyone cares. <laughs> well, we care about everything that we do. It's more so like priorities and whatever's diff beyond that. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in this movie, <laughs> it's pretty cool because in the context of this movie, it's it's used as like this uplifting type of voice you know like even though this movie is so so sad and like it's at the same time building an uplifting note before it ends i did like the way it ended too (laughs) before we get there i do want to talk about the ending and how uh, they tied everything together i wanted to ask you what you thought of the bird scene that I don't understand why they put it in there. I wonder if you could put it into perspective for me. I don't know if I understood the bird scene either. The bird scene over time, it was cracking. That's all I got from it, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's a, there's a plate outside his window and he continues to put apples out there so that birds can eat it. And at the end, the window is cracked open and the plate is broken. And I wonder, I, okay. I have two thoughts. First, I was like, oh, God, Ellie went and broke that plate because she was looking at it. You know, she was so mad she broke the plate while he was out. Um, and then the other one is like, oh, my God, what if she broke into his apartment and is hiding there and she's going to kill him <laughs> you know, before we could. Oh, like, my goodness. I was like, she broke the plate. She's going to kill him. Like, is this how it's going to end? And this is why it's so tragic. Uh, but it's none of that. And, uh, you know, again, we were left with the broken plate. So I. Huh. Maybe That's one thing I can piece together. Maybe it was to showcase his kindness still. Because, you know, it actually kind of reminds me of the the Home Alone scene where that lady is in the park just feeding birds, but she looks, like, really scary and intimidating, but really she's sweet and kind. So maybe the, the plate feeding the bird scene was, like, to showcase kindness. Like, Ellie hasn't seen her father in years, so then that was almost a way for her to know what kind of Charlie or what kind of person Charlie is now after eight years. So maybe it was 
affirmation for her to be like, oh, he is still a kind person. It's just all of these people love, love Charlie, but despite, uh, wait, hold on. I said that backwards. Despite all the shit that has happened, they still love Charlie and Charlie still loves them. It's just hard for them to admit it out loud because of that surface stuff. Like he did abandon them. He did leave them. And as the ex-wife, Mary, she's like, you left me for another man. So she's like embarrassed as like a woman, you know, like that's kind of like an attack on her as as a woman, as a wife. And then Ellie favoring her father over her makes her feel like she failed as a mother. You know, it's all of that is in the way of her love for Charlie, but it still came out as we saw in the film. Just, you know, so many details (laughs) that we can pick up on. And the other thing too, you know, this is probably where Charlie kept feeding the bird out of his kindness. And then when the plate broke was probably a, uh, a visual cue that Charlie can no longer feed this bird or this anger metaphorically, you know, and it's time for him to just let it go and let it be. That was a, another thought I just had while we were, while you were uh, mentioning all that. So I don't know that's diving too deep into it, but I will say um, Adlerian, Adlerian psychology and philosophy, if you let go of the past and, you know, because that technically doesn't exist in the future or, or sorry, <laughs> the, the future and the past don't exist in Adlerian psychology and that trauma doesn't exist, this never would have happened. Just a hint, uh, just a little teaser of our other episode for, uh, or, sorry, courage to be disliked. Never. <laughs> it's kind of funny because uh, it's a really good example of the opposite of that. But yeah, I don't know. This movie is so good. There's so much to think about. There's so much to talk about. Oh my gosh. I mean, if we bring in that idea, we can talk about this for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Overall. So, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I I really liked it because it was... I just got really bored of live action stuff and maybe it's because of poor writing. Maybe it was also a combination of that with poor acting at at the same time. So it was nice to see something that was good. (laughs) Although if you go to like the A24 film group stuff, people don't like this and they start like ripping apart (laughs) even harder. So like, and different opinions out there. Overall, it's good. You know, I mean, we're just diving into what, our opinions are for the film so hopefully it resonates with some people but there is this controversial thing did you know that james corden could have been playing the whale instead of brendan fisher that is nuts i did not know that what i don't think it would have been possible because i like because i saw some brendan fisher like interviews and he was talking about how darren aronofsky was already talking to brendan fisher about this film pre pre like pre pre-production so i i think it was always going to be brendan fraser but there was like an article saying that james corden was in the running for it i guess and he said that he said something weird weirdly shallow why he didn't get the part and i was like um i don't know because a lot of stuff has coming out has been coming out about him being a not so kind person i don't know if it's true but Either way, I don't think I could have seen him be Charlie. No, not at all. And it's always what's going to 
play into this is, you know, obviously the actor and how they portray themselves outside of the role. I don't know if this is the case, but the choice to have Brendan Fraser may have been the fact that he is Charlie. He's he's just a really nice guy. And everyone says so. And he's grown up, well, not grown up, but he's gone through a life full of harsh moments, things that really hurt him physically, emotionally. He's been through a lot, similar to Charlie. And James Corden, <laughs> I'm not a fan of him. Uh, let's just be honest, he's kind of a trash person. <laughs> I don't know. I hear a lot of, I read a lot of like, you know, our Reddit article, Reddit article, subreddits, a lot of, yeah, subreddits who, you know, a lot of people who encounter James Corden. If he were to play the whale, I would not have seen the movie. I would not have supported it. Even if, let's say, it got, you know, five stars out of five stars or whatever, that's like a factor. I think that goes into it because also A24 has been on a roll of really good, I don't know if you call it indie movies, but not like mainstream they are any films. Yeah. Like they're just really good. Like obviously everything <laughs> every, is really good. everywhere. Like everything yeah, everywhere yeah. all at once. It's not like a Marvel and then everyone's copying Marvel with superheroes, you know? Yeah. So it's refreshing. Like I agree with you. Um yeah. Well, James I don't Gordon think can Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Um yeah, I don't know if James Corden would have brought the same level of like that kindness, earnestness. Even I don't know if you if you can even achieve that through talent and acting craft. Yeah, I don't I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think I would have seen it either if if James Corden was was Charlie. I don't have interest or I have less interest rather, you know. And then if it did have good reviews, maybe I would watch it eventually, but I wouldn't watch it immediately. Yeah. Not <laughs> I don't know if he did if he thought that he deserved the part, but <laughs> Nah. Just an interesting thing. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a really fun fact uh, to probably end the episode on. Do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, I was going to go into like a breakdown of like Adlerian psychology on this film just because we, we were talking about it. But <laughs> I am against that idea just because it would extend the episode for like another hour or so. <laughs> and so I don't want to. If you guys want to dive into Adlerian psychology, philosophy, Check out our episode on The Courage to be Disliked, where we talk about it. We learned a lot. It's a really fascinating way of thinking and living. So I'm sure if you guys watch that one, read the book and then watch The Whale, there's a lot you can tie into it, just like us, because we read that book, then watch this movie, and then all of a sudden, all these... <laughs> yeah, uh, all these things start connected. <laughs> yeah, it's just really fascinating to try to break down the movie through that concept indeed but all right i think i'm all set all right well that's it for this episode thank you for joining us as we discuss and discuss the whale go watch it it's really good i've been derek <laughs> i've been kevin follow us for more content coming at you soon bye, bye.